So welcome back to the Backroads Podcast. This is the Bi-District Playoff Edition, Episode 1. And I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressFestSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Bobby, so much to get to when we look at the Bi-District action. Huge upsets across the state. Some teams took care of business exactly the way we uh, expected. You got volleyball playoffs going on. We're now into the uh, state round of volleyball and then we start to look ahead to next week at some games that are just flat out ridiculous. But before we get started, I always like to start things off with a, a coaching interview. And the first coach we got up is a guy I kind of know fairly well, and that would be the head coach for the Happy Cowboys, Coach Stacy Perriman. Coach, welcome in. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Coach, you guys, a big win, 48-44 over the state-ranked Spring Lake Earth Wolverines. Uh, Wolverines picked by most people to go ahead and win Region 1. Um, the prohibitive favorites, but your team pulls the shocker in that one down in Anton. Just talk about that game uh, to our listeners. Yeah, so going into it, um, a lot of people didn't realize that we were missing a couple of our, our better players, and um, we, we were fortunate enough to get those guys back, so they definitely, you know, added quite a bit to our game plan. Um, we had pace, you know, through half of the game, but, um, you know, it started off pretty good for us. You know, it was kind of back and forth. Uh, we did switch up some things on defense, so we knew that that was going to help us out. By that time, we went into halftime with a lead, and then we came back out, and you know we continued to add a little bit. But towards the end, it got a little bit, got a little bit more competitive, and those guys ended up coming back. And then uh, with about a minute and thirty-seven seconds left, they recover a fumble, they go up two, so we get the ball back. Minute thirty-seven, um, big return by Gus Fields ends up you know, taking it back to, I believe, the 30 on their side. And then, you know, we run a couple of plays, get down to the goal line and score with three seconds left. You know, your son throws the game-winning touchdown for us to Kitan Johnson. So, you know, for the most of it, it was just a, a really good game for us. And, you know, that Spring Lake made some mistakes on their side of the ball and we took advantage of it. But, you know, when it started to get down to that point where – it was it was kind of getting away from us. You know, we counted on those guys we've counted on all season and they came through for us. And you talk about those kids coming through. I know uh, in talking to you over the weeks, this is a team that you've really enjoyed coaching. Just kind of talk about the the team chemistry that you've got there. Yeah, it's been this group has been amazing. We had a lot of success last year, but we just didn't gel the way that this group has. Um and, you know, a lot of that is like these guys just hang out with each other whenever we're in football. They hang out with each other outside of football. They just have a lot of chemistry amongst themselves. But um, it, it's just been one of those deals. They're just high character kids. They're those kids that, you know, when, when you get into those games, when you get into those battles, they, they rely on each other because, you know, they've done it their whole lives. They're just that tight knit group. And it, it's it's just been a pleasure to coach them. Two players I want to talk about. First one being T.S. Bow. Uh, this is a guy that you've used just about everywhere over the last two years and someone that, especially at the start of last season, I know you did not really count a whole lot on him. And now he's become maybe your most valuable player. Just talk about uh, what TS brings to your team. Yeah, TS and I joke all the time. Uh, when I first got to Happy, he was a JV guy for me and he didn't even play the year before that. And, uh, you know, he had, he came out and told me, say, coach, I think I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to play football. And I just remembered, to, I was like, I didn't even know who he was. I said, that's fine. You know, if you want to come play, come play. So, you know, just having him around and JV and watching his progression through that. And, you know, I was telling the coaching staff that, you know, he, he may be a guy that we can count on as a junior. And, you know, we, we would put him in here and there. And, you know, he just – he would make plays. It was – he's not flashy by any means. He's, um, he's deceiving for sure. Um, but the season that he had as a junior – you know, his progression just all the way through. And by the time that we got to the playoffs, he had to step into some big roles at uh, on our line and ended up being an all-state receiver. And coming back, we knew that we wanted to move him and put him in more of a running back position, more of a fullback, but be heavily involved in our passing game. And as the season progressed, you know, as injuries came on, um, we had to move him. And we even had to put him back on the line at one point and move some of our other guys at the running back position just to fill some of those holes while those other guys got some reps. Um, but he's pretty much played every position on the field except for quarterback. And I, I, I don't see him having the opportunity to play quarterback. But, you know, it's, he definitely could. But he's just one of those guys. I mean, he, he'll, he'll do whatever you ask him to do. And he won't ask questions. He'll do it to the best of his ability. 
and he'll find a way to get the job done. The other player I want to talk about, and, you know, when you have success uh, like you're having this year, especially when you look at the injury, somebody out of nowhere has to step up. To me, that's been Trice Johnson. Talk about the play of Trice, the junior for you, and, and the role he has filled and how much you, you can now lean on him on the defensive side. Yeah, he's another one of those guys, um, you know, even in the summer uh, and offseason last year, I, I constantly joked with him about tries I need you to gain 10 pounds this just isn't going to do at the 140 that you're playing at and he's a coach I got I'm, I'll do it so you know he got up to about 155 and he was one of those guys that we thought was going to battle for the center position because we just didn't really have a spot for him but he's one of those kids that when he gets in he just tends to make plays like TS so Sawyer ended up taking over that position you know as a senior and he has not relinquished that all year. So at that point, we started looking and saying, well, where are we going to where, where can we fit him in at? And it, he ended up finding a niche on defense and he ended up playing safety for us. And he's done a phenomenal job at safety. You know, he, he's one of those guys where we're saying that, OK, he's going to get in the rotation on defense. And now we're saying if somebody's got to come off the field. Like he's he's one of the last names that we mentioned, like he can't come off of the field on defense. And when Kaiden went down, we said. He's the next guy up. You know, he's a little bit smaller. I don't know if he can get the job done. And he was one that we were kind of thinking of putting a rotation with him and TS. And at one point we got to the – we just told him, we said, hey, we need you to play this position. We don't need any excuses. We need you to get the job done. And from that point on, you know, he, just, he owned up to it, and he played that position phenomenally. And then when Kitan came back, you know, it was – there was no arguments behind it. They they just kind of went back and forth, and now we have two guys that can play that position. That's awesome. So now you got Borden County coming up. So this is a team that Happy's lost to uh, four straight times, 0-4 against the Coyotes, uh, lost twice in the state quarterfinals, twice in the state semifinals. Talk about what it's like facing off. In fact, you know, the Cowboys lost last year to Borden County. What it's like to face off against a legend on the other side like Trey Ritchie and, and – what you have to do from your side to try and be successful in this ballgame. Yeah, um, I know that we talked about it last year going up against Trey Ritchie, and uh, he's just one of the best best coaches in the game. And that's – I mean, what better opportunity could you have than to, than to face somebody like that? And, and by no means would I want to compare myself to Trey Ritchie because that's I, – I mean, I, if I go the rest of my career – and, you know, I retire as a coach. Like, I probably still won't be on the status of Trey Ritchie. I mean, that's how that's how good that guy is. So, to be able to go up against him is, is cool. But at the same time, um, we, we got to find a way to to be a better coaching staff than they are. And, and that, that's the that's the objective that we have. That's what, that's what we're in the process of doing right now as far as trying to figure out different game plans and things of that nature that's going to work out for us. But going back to the – the BC happy rivalry. I know that that tends to be the stigma that that happy just can't get past Borden. And, and, and if you look back at a statistical standpoint, then that's true, but that's for this year. I mean, it's, we are, we are happy. They are Borden County. We're just two teams that are meeting in the playoffs and we both are who we are. We got to find a way to get it done. Not, not trying to go back and and relive any of the past or any of that stuff. We're just the happy Cowboys of this year trying to beat the Borden County Coyotes of this year. Regardless of what's happened in the past, those guys have moved on from Borden. Those guys for happy have moved on. We are who we are, and we got to find a way to get it done this week. I know you and Rucker and Archer are really good friends, and you all grew up in the same general area. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it, it's always fun. I mean, we have a group chat where, you know, we go back and forth. We bounce ideas off of each other, at least, you know, when we're not in football, at least not going up to our matchup. I know between Rucker and I, it, like the two weeks before our matchup, we tend to get a little as far as non-talkative, I guess, just because our game plan is going into that. You know, we want to make sure that they're they're good and everything that goes into that. But, yeah, growing up, it, it, it's pretty fun that, you know, we got to play each other like Archer and I got to play with each other in high school and still get to have, you know, that relationship that we have as far as the football aspect of it. And then we played Rucker and then we went to college together. So we all we just stayed close, you know, as we went along. And um, now we get to share this journey together as far as the coaching aspect of it. And 
it's pretty cool because, you know, not everybody can say that, you know, you have friends that you grew up with and you get to have that profession. Once you, once you actually get to your careers and have that information you can share back and forth. Uh, it's pretty beneficial for me. I uh, hope it is for them. Just having that, having that back and forth that you get to share information with. Now, am I correct that you and Archer went to Motley County and Rucker went to Valley? Is that correct? Yeah. So we, Archer and I, we, we got to uh, Bigham's first year was our junior year. And um, so we got to, we were around Bigham for two years and then Valley, you know, Rucker being in Valley, it's, I mean, it's 30 miles apart. That's so great. Did any of you ever think about coaching 11 man instead of six man? You know, I just love the game of football. I, I think that, um, I mean, I don't know if I have the NFL going on in our background right now. I mean, it's, if it, if football is on, then I'm watching it. It doesn't matter if it's the the Tuesday night college game. Like if it's on, I'm watching it. I don't, I don't think that it annoys my wife, but I'm sure that she'd probably rather watch something else. <laughs> but I, you know, as far as the 11, man, I, I have a pretty good understanding of it. I think that I could, I could definitely bring some stuff to the table as far as 11, man, but like my heart is just in six, man. It's one of those deals where, you know, growing up in a small community, you know, there, there's a lot of people that say as far as six man not being football, like those people are crazy because they just don't understand what football is like football brings a lot more than just wins and losses. It's a like you have your culture aspect of it. You have like your kids growing up in these small communities that get a lot of values that, are, that they're going to be able to utilize whenever they get out into the real world. Like and, and I'm not going to say that the six and five A and four A schools don't have that. But it's difficult to have those one-on-one -on -one relationships that that we as head coaches get to have with our kids. Like, like the the questions that that Craig is posting about TS and and Trice. Like, I've got to see these dudes grow up and and really come into their own as far as being just good young men. Things that are going to help them whenever they get out into the real world. And I think that's something that you lose at the bigger eleven-man level, and that's just not that's just not what I'm in it for. So, so you played for Coach Mike Bigham. He just picked up his 150th career victory, and you you had him his first two years. In those first two years, did you see what you thought was going to be a really good coach? Yeah, I mean, it, it, he just has everything about him as far as the preparation and everything that goes into it. And and I, I would argue his first two years, he was probably more intense than he's been in the last however many years he's been at Motley. It's just <laughs> – Is that possible? He, <laughs> he, he was so intense and it was, well, I mean, when, when you get into a place like your biggest objective is, especially a place like Montley used to be, I mean, they, they weren't known for being just the, the guys that people beat up on, but they weren't known for a ton of success either. I mean, they knew the class, he knew the class that he was coming into had a lot of talent, but at the same time, he also knew that there were some knuckleheads that were, uh, that were around that, that he had to weed out. So like he, he wanted to come in and he wanted to get rid of those guys and he he's going to see who was going to be tough and stick it out. And for that first year, that's what we had to deal with. So, you know, it, it was pretty intense, but yeah, you know, just all the things that, that he, that he brings to the table, his preparation is, is second to none. Uh, his intensity is second to none. He's one of the best motivators that there is in the game. So that, that was something that was clear and evident from day one with him. And, uh, He's somebody that you can get behind, you know, like as, as a player, he's somebody that, that carries a lot of confidence with him. So that's something that you can buy into and be a part of. So um, he, he made it easy to play for him. Yeah, Coach Bigham is one of my favorites. I love observing <laughs> him on the sidelines and when he's talking to the media. It's, he's he's uh, quite the character. He really is. He really is. But I just needed to know what it was like to play for him. <laughs> Well, I mean, I could tell you all day long, but I, it, you would just have to be in that situation to fully understand. <laughs> I, compl <laughs> I completely, yes, got it. <laughs> so let, let me ask you something. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about playoffs because Bobby and I always have this conversation. I don't think people understand and realize, and sometimes we don't, what all goes into setting up a playoff matchup? So uh, like you and Trey Ritchie deciding everything, what all has to be decided and how do you go about deciding where are we going to play? When are we going to play? Who are the rest? Kind of talk about how that plays out. Well, you know, it, it can be the, the easiest experience that you've ever had, or it can be the most difficult experience you've ever had. It's, 
Uh, you're, you're getting two grown men to try and agree on things. And sometimes it's just, sometimes it comes together really well. And sometimes it doesn't like the two times that I've had to deal with Trey. I mean, it's been great. We, you know, we, we both have kind of similar ideas as far as, which I'm sure him going back to Lightning when I agreed to that last year, I'm sure he was like, Oh, what a sucker. I got him. I got him again. So like that for me, you know, that, that, that was for us just getting to go to a bigger atmosphere, but you know, for him, that's a place where they've dominated happy. So, you know, mistake on my part probably, but it, it was an easy negotiation last year, but for this year, um, we had the Thursday game. So on Friday, I had the opportunity to kind of look up some places and kind of get an idea of where, you know, might be kind of halfway that, you know, we'd both play at. That would be a good atmosphere for both parties. Um, and I had that in mind. So I kind of took that in. We went and watched Jayton um, on Friday. Or we went and went over to Jayton to watch Knox City in Borden County. And then after the game, you know, I went out and met, uh, met Trey and we, we talked and, you know, we, we kind of congratulated him and he said the same to me and we, we just kind of talked and well, like I said before, you know, he's just one of one of the best to do it, but he's also one of the most humble and just nice guys that you could be around. So we kind of had a conversation back and forth and and talked about, you know, Lightning being a spot and they kind of thought, you know, that that would be an option. And then once we get past that, then you got to talk about, well, who's going to be the home team and who's going to be the visitor team. And what kind of refs are you going to get? And are you going to use, like, for our area, it'd be Amarillo. Or are you going to use the Lubbock chapter? So those are some things that you talk about. And then once we get past that, you talk about price. And then um, for us, it's always something that, that we haggle on, um, seeing if we can get the best deal. So for some schools, not really, not really an issue, but it's something that we like to haggle about. And then you talk about ticket prices. So, and then again, I shoot that over to the, the, the higher powers of me and I just kind of wait for an answer. Now, as far as uh, we kind of talked a little bit earlier about ours is pretty cool about the, we just went odds and evens on the home and visitor and we went with the Baylor OU game and it, whoever, you know, watched that game, you kind of seen the controversy went behind that. So for, 27 seconds, you know, we look like we we're going to be the visitors and then that changed pretty quickly. And now we're the home team. So it's a, it's an interesting process, depending on who you're dealing with. It, it could be, it could be a good experience. And sometimes it's not so great. Well, as an Oklahoma Sooner fan, as much as Lincoln Riley was not happy with the end, I was thrilled because it made us the home team. So <laughs> kind of an odd situation. So, Bobby, let, no me tell you let me tell you something about Coach Perryman. I'm going to warn all the coaches out there. If you ever end up needing to play golf against Coach Perryman, don't do it. The guy can golf. And even better is if he says, I tell you what, I'll make you an even better deal. I'll let you play against my wife. You really don't want to do that. And why would that be, Coach Perryman? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know that I'm that great of a golfer, but my wife, on the other hand, she played uh, golf at Kansas State University, and she she probably drives the ball further than I do. She's a stud, and <laughs> if, if Zoe is ever athletic, that's probably where she gets it from. Well, Coach, we do appreciate you joining us on a uh, Sunday afternoon. Best of luck to you, Cowboys, Friday night, taking on the board and counting couch, and uh, we'll talk to you further down the road. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. So, Bobby, great to have uh, Coach Perryman join us, uh, one of my good friends. And uh, in my mind, and I might be a little biased here, but I think one of the better young coaches that we've got in six-man, there's a handful out there, but I think he's uh, one of those, and he's proven that taken to the Cowboys to the playoffs two straight years in a row. I, I agree. I've always liked Coach Perryman. Uh, of course, you know, I'm good friends with Rucker because he coached my kid. And I know that they're, they all grew up together and they're really good friends. So um, I guess that kind of what transfers over to the friends because I know what kind of a good guy Rucker is. So, Yes, yeah, Coach Rucker is a really good guy. You are right there. Well, before we leave that happy Spring Lake Earth game, which happy won 48 to 44, you know one of the cool things about six-man, the number of teams that were there to cheer them on, Cotton Center, Spur, Petersburg, Crest, Hart, and all those kids there to watch that ball game. That was a cool, cool look there. It really was. I mean, and you know, that just, that's the epitome of six man football and small communities are people coming together. We've talked about this before people coming together to celebrate, to cheer, to support 
And um, I, I got to say, uh, I have to give a shout out to uh, Keyshawn Holmes because I read that every time Keyshawn touched the ball to run it, there would be yells and cheers of overrated. Am I correct? <laughs> I, I, I couldn't hear, so I, I, I can't comment for sure. Okay. Well, someone wrote that on one of our Instagram posts. And you know what? Shout out to Keyshawn for having a wonderful sense of humor. Um, he actually wrote, you know, every time I touched the ball, they would shout overrated. And then he put a little laughy, cry face. So, you know, <laughs> I appreciate someone who has a good sense of humor. And um, Keyshawn, shout out to you. Um, also, I wanted to give a shout out to Evan DeLeon, though, you know, those two kids, they're seniors this year for the Wolverines. I want to tell, say that I really enjoyed watching them play six-man football the last two years. And the cool thing about these two is you need to go watch them play basketball because they are outstanding basketball players. So if you, you have a chance, go watch the Wolverines play basketball and you'll see Evan DeLeon and Keyshawn Holmes right there in the mix of things. Most definitely. You can't miss either one of them for no, sure. No, you can't. Cause if you, you know, no one can miss Keyshawn. He's a grown man, but um, <laughs> yes, he is. Evan can pop, pop a three in your eye before you even know what's happening. Yeah. He, he's a really talented guard. So let's start by district looks and uh, so much to talk about here. And we're just going to start at the top in division one in region one. And uh, Valley defeats Nazareth 77 to 32. This game was 32 to 31 Nazareth midway through the third quarter, but turnovers just did the Swifts in. Jackson Edwards back maybe to full strength, 10 carries, 220 yards, and six touchdowns. Uh, Blake Beard is running mate now, 119 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And a shout out to Luke Schulte. That's a young man I know really well. Five touchdowns in that game. I, I don't have the final stats, but I'm going to guess, Bobby, that he carried the ball close to 40 times in that game and just took an absolute pounding. So a shout out to him. But uh, two pick sixes for Valley really was the difference in that ball game. Plus a, a goal line stance, goal line stand at the end of the first half really swayed things for the Patriots. Uh, we talked about happy and Spring Lake Earth. Spur all over Meta, 63 to 14. Uh, two guys. Have you ever heard of Corey Hamilton or LeJean Walker? No, no, never. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Corey Hamilton, 167 yards rushing, three touchdowns. LeJean, 98 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Ryan Davis, 22 yards rushing into touchdowns and a 39 yard receiving touchdown. Meta, they shut, uh, Spurs shut down Meta's best running back, Caleb Sanchez, 14 carries. 13 yards. He did get a score in that one, but uh, Spur uh, defeats Meta 63 to 14. And uh, you uh, had an interesting note from one of the chain gang members from that game. I did. Um, Spur's defense was really on point that night. And so I was just, sometimes I talk to myself, you know, I live by myself, I talk to my dog a lot. So on the football field, on the sidelines, I tend to say things out loud. Well, I said, huh. Wonder how many tackles number 22 from Spur has. And one of the guys on the chain gang turned around and he looked at me and he said, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and number 22 would be Corey Hamilton. Well, there's a surprise. <laughs> I mean, every time I looked up 22, that big old 22 was right there in the mix of everything. I, I believe he had what? 10 tackles and then two and a half for a loss. Wow. Something it, like it, that. Yeah, impressive there from Corey Hamilton. So Spur defeats uh, Meta, and in the final game, Borden County over Knox City, fifty-four to forty-four. Knox City was up twenty-two to eight in this ball game at one point and led in the third quarter. But the Coyotes and Trey Ritchie come out to, on top. Rhett Kingston, yeah, you've heard that name before. Thirty-two carries, hundred ninety-seven yards, four touchdowns. Ishmael Rodriguez, their quarterback, five of seven, eighty-eight yards, and three scores. And uh, Callan Keeler, 83 yards receiving and two touchdowns. For Knox City, Tristan Baxter playing on a bum ankle, 178 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Cameron Hernandez carried it 22 times for 128 and two scores. And Bryson Callaway, 6-12 through the air for 124 yards and a touchdown. Good ball game there between Borden City and Knox City, or Borden County and Knox City. Uh, you know, the, the towns of the two names. So <laughs> sometimes you can get them mixed up, kind of like the hyphenated names. Exactly. So we'll move down to region two and maybe the biggest upset in six man that we saw 
Van Horn, the Eagles, take out Garden City 70-69. to 69. What a performance from uh, Jer- Jermaine Corrales, 12 of 19 through the air, 283 yards passing, six touchdowns, 59 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Bryce Ferdell, what a ball game from Bryce. Six carries, 179 yards and five touchdowns. Oh, sorry, six receptions, 179 yards, five touchdowns, nine carries for 40 yards, and he had 15 and a half tackles in this ballgame. Elijah Gaines as well, 14 tackles, two sacks, and three tackles for loss. And for Garden City on the other side, Jordan Jones, 23 carries, 286 and five scores, and Mason Walker, 11 for 55 and three for 47 receiving and two touchdowns. Now, I do believe, and I think the stats back me up, Garden City was missing several starters, but, man, still a huge win for the Van Horn Eagles. You're you're right. It was a huge win. You know, we've talked about Jermaine Corrales and Bryce Verdell. Those are two names we are very familiar with because we've been talking about them every week. Um, shout out to Coach uh, Brock Tyrell from Van Horn. He, he has been consistently sending us stats all season long and i appreciate that so thank you very much and that's how we know jermaine and bryce but that game you know we talked about van horn being warriors they did not give up did not they they did not and come out victorious in that one Uh, also in that region sterling city takes out hermley 56 to 42 now the bad thing is we lose Bubba Digby in the playoffs. The we good do. thing is we gain Slam and Sammy. We do. Well, sort of, you know, he, he coaches basketball, but <laughs> I, I went to the, uh, the two games at Hermely on Friday, Spur versus Meadow and Klondike versus Whitherill, which we'll get to here in a little bit. I was told by one of Sammy's good friends, this is Sammy Winter, coach Sammy Winters, that, um, he has a broadcasting name. Sometimes he helps us broadcast if he's got, if he's not doing uh, something with his real job, then he'll go broadcast with us or for us. And I did not know this, but obviously he has a name and you've said it slamming Sammy. (laughs) So if you, (laughs) that makes me laugh. (laughs) If you see coach Sammy winners out, you know, feel free to call him Coach Slammin' Sammy Winters. <laughs> definitely do that. So, uh, it'll, you know, you get, it'll be you a got, conversation starter. It definitely will. You got to feel sorry for Coach uh, Winters there because you get your first uh, district championship, you make the playoffs for the first time, and you look up, and it's the defending state champions on the other side in the Sterling City Eagles, and they are no slouch. They, they are runners up in their district, but, uh, what 16 districts in division one they win probably uh 13 14 of those so oh definitely uh, maybe you know, even 15 yeah so uh n- no shame in that loss there also Rankin over fort davis 77 to 30 and westbrook over ira 64 to 14 uh they're in region two and we'll get to the matchups coming up um and whatever we're going to call it and we'll we'll go over that in a little bit but uh <laughs> Uh, man, some fantastic matchups coming up there in Region 2. Region 3, St. Joe over Leverage Chapel, 53-24. to 24. Logan Bronner, the uh, man-child runner there, 233 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Peyton Harris, 6 of 11 through the air, 134 yards and two scores. And for Leverage Chapel, Michael Dennis, 7 uh, carries for 93 yards and two touchdowns, also 6 of 11 through the air and 36 yards. So St. Joe's moves on, and Coolidge, Man, now this game kind of surprised me. They take out Blum a 45 to nothing. And I just it surprised me. Blum had such a tough start, but it looked like everybody coming back healthy, they're playing well, and then they just run into a buzzsaw there in the Yellow Jackets. I think that Coolidge just jumped up and shocked them. Uh, I was not expecting that score at all. Shout out to Coolidge Yellow Jackets. They did a great job uh, coming out and just putting Blum away and now they're moving on. They're going to play old St. Joe. 
Oh, St. Joe. On the other side of that bracket, Newcastle over Union Hill, 56-14. to 14. That's a runner-up taking out a district champ, but Newcastle, the Bobcats, really good. And then Abbott all over Avalon, 67-22. to 22. Robert Munoz, 68 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Kane Klaus, uh, Coach Crawford decided to give him the ball one time in the ballgame. He went 54 yards for a touchdown. You remember, he is his best uh, spread back back there. Riley Sestala, two for two, 68 yards and a touchdown. And Joy Pavelka, seven and a half tackles, two tackles for loss. For the Eagles, Kobe Ornelas, three of seven through the air, 59 yards and a touchdown. And Jesse Moronis, four of eight, 45 yards and a touchdown through the air in five carries for 34 yards. So uh, the Panthers, no problem with the Avalon Eagles. And that sets up a good matchup now, Abbott and Newcastle. It does. And let's let's not move on yet. We got to talk about Abbott Panthers and their playoff uh, tradition. So every time I see Abbott in the playoffs, they're all blonde, like bleached blonde. <laughs> and this has been happening for years. So I decided to ask Coach Crawford about it. You know, we talked to him last week here on Backroads. And he says he believes it was around 2007. And the whole team wanted to do something that um, unified them for the playoffs. Coach Crawford said he thinks that they copied South Lake Carroll. And Coach Crawford tried to talk them into going all black. And he said that he's glad that they didn't listen to him because, you know, the blonde, it, it's here to stay in the playoffs with the Abbott Panthers. <laughs> you know, that's one of those things where if you're a kid growing up and you're on that varsity team, guess what? You know, blonde hair is coming because they make the playoffs almost every single year. So that's uh, right. Have that to look forward to. It's a rite of passage. I'm telling you. It is uh, off to region four may uh, the number one ranked team in the state. No problem with Erion County, 68 to 20 Jonesboro takes out Lakey in a game that was close there for a while. The Eagles hung around, but uh, the Lakey Eagles that is, but Jonesboro just too much 90 to 40 in that ball game uh, on the bottom half of the bracket, water Valley, number two team in the state over Gorman 58 to nothing. They have Gorman at 20 total yards offense. Cannon. Weiss only touched it 10 times went 182 and four scores. And then uh, finally in Region 4, Division 1, Lameda picks up a victory over the Medina Bobcats, 53-20. to 20. So let's move on down now to uh, Division 2. We'll start in Region 1. The Fallhead Panthers, they defeat Will Dorado, 60-21. Mustangs hung, hung with them there for a little bit, but uh, Fallhead just too much. Uh, Shane Franks, 233 yards rushing, five touchdowns. David Meeks uh, in a backup row, 98 yards rushing as well, and two touchdowns. And they're going to take on the Anton Bulldogs, who defeat Sands 72 to 30. On the bottom half of the bracket, Groom over Miami 72 to 22. Stephen Keeler, that's a kid we don't talk enough about. 317 yards rushing, six touchdowns, 101 yards uh, passing through the air, and another three scores. And his brother, Damon Keeler, two touchdowns and nine tackles with three sacks. For Miami, Hayden Thompson, uh, him and Luke Wheeler, the sophomores there, Thompson with two touchdowns. Uh, Luke Wheeler, 12 carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown. So Groom wins that one. And then Klondike, the Cougars, take out Whitherell, 71-48 to in a revenge game. Whitherell won that game uh, earlier in the season. The mud bowl. Yeah, exactly. Josh Ares Mendez, 29 carries, 320 yards, eight touchdowns, three of seven through the air, 67 yards passing, and a touchdown. Uh, he delivered popcorn to all the fans in the stands at halftime and uh, cleaned the stands up after the ball game as well. What a game there from Ares Mendez. For Whitherell, Shamadric Weaver, 114 yards on the ground and a score, 95 yards passing and two touchdowns. Our man Ryan McDaniel, he got into the end zone twice in this ball game. And Aiden Van Zant, I don't know if he's a really good uh, guitarist or not, but Aiden Van Zant, three receptions, 45 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he, Aiden Van Zant is number 23, and he's really tall. So I expect, I expect to see him in basketball as well, because he, he just built like a basketball player, but he was really, he did a really fine job. So we'll move to region two now in division two, Balmeray, the bears, coach Jones, they just keep rolling right along. They defeat Blackwell 60 to 14, number one ranked team in the state, the Motley County Matadors. No problem with coach Kitley and his rural Bobcats 52 to six Lorraine over Sanderson, 68 to 28. And then a game I knew was going to be good. Jayton defeats Benjamin 52 to 41. That's another one of those runner up teams, Jayton, that uh, Benjamin's like, we had such a good season. You're really going to make us face Jayton, but the Mustangs fall in that one 
uh, to the Jaybirds. Region three, Throckmorton, Coach Hans takes out the Fannindale Falcons, 87 to 40. Uh, Coach Lee, no problem with Morgan Eagles at Strawn there, 72 to 7 in the Battle of the Hyphenates. Uh, Goldberg, the Bears take out Looters of Oka, the Raiders, 59 to 14. And Gordon defeats Cranfield's Gap, 68 to 20. And then finally in Region 4, it was Mount Calm falling to Oakwood, 65 to nothing. Cherokee, that's another good team there, over Blanket, 51 to 6. Oglesby, no problem with Calvert, 48 to 30. And Richland Springs defeats Sydney, 58 to 8. For the Cowboys, Jaden Bryan, 109 yards rushing and four scores. He also had 100 yards passing through the air and two touchdowns. Zane Caps, 56 yards rushing and a touchdown. Also had a 48 yard touchdown catch. And for Sydney, Mike Lindeke, 68 yards passing and a 15 yard touchdown run. So, Bobby, there's a look at all the by district action. Some really good games that went on, some big upsets. Uh, you see runner-ups defeating uh, district champions. But usually in that case, like Sterling City and like Jaden, they're just not all runners-up are built the same. You know, some years are like that, where you have a lot of parity, and then, then you don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like westbrook and sterling city are a perfect example of that molly county and jayton they're a perfect example of that where you have just two powerhouses in the same district and they're warring with each other and the rest of the state has to figure out oh gosh which one do we want to play if you know <laughs> yeah the the talk is always okay which side of the bracket do i want to end up on i mm-hmm. uh, hear talk a lot about that and uh it's great fodder for us fans, but you just got to wonder, do coaches really play it that way? Um, you know, it's kind of hard to tell a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds, Hey, don't go win. <laughs> no, I don't think they do. Uh, I think that it, it is good fodder for us fans, uh, as a coach, or I used to be a coach. There's no way in the world I would have ever, ever lost a game on purpose. I mean, you would have just had to kill me. I mean, I'm competitive to a fault sometimes, even now, which is a little, it gets a little scary sometimes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but um, no, I don't think they do that. Uh, and maybe that's just me with my rose colored glasses on. But I mean, you've got to think about stuff like that because everybody's thinking, Ooh, who's going to be one. Who's going to be two. If they're two, do I, and I'm one, you know, are we playing all those kinds of things. And then you got to think on top of that, you have to do just like uh, Coach Perryman was talking about all the various things you have to do to set a playoff game. Yeah, that, that's the part I think gets lost in all that. And I've, I've enjoyed talking to him, Coach Keith, and just the different maturations they have to go through to find a place to play. Who's going to be home? Who's going to be visitor? Who gets the refs? You know, that that's a big thing. It, it's just you know, how much we, how much we're going to charge for tickets, right? That whole setup there is really tough. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can be easy for the two coaches. Sometimes not so much. Well, you know, in the by district round, um, we glossed over a a few things, but there's two things that I wanted to point out. Oglesby, uh, won over Calvert. That was the first time they've ever won against Calvert. The record was 0-14 prior to Friday night. So congratulations, Oglesby. That's impressive. It is. And they hung in there and they did a really good job. Um, The next thing, you know, we talked about Van Horn Garden City. Did you know that that was the Eagles' first six-man playoff win, number one? And number two, there were 16 lead changes in that game. I believe it because I followed it on Twitter and that game was back and forth. It was like a, a ping pong match. It really was. It, it was. And every time I looked, it was like someone else was scoring. And I mean, it was just a, a really good game. And then uh, finally, talk about the Helms tradition, which is a family tradition uh, there. Goldberg, of course, picking up the victory. Yes. Okay. So Coach Joe Helms, he was at Grand Falls Royalty for a long time. And he decided to retire, but then he decided that retirement maybe wasn't for him. <laughs> he went to Goldberg. So he's been their head coach. I think, I believe this is his second year. 
they won district. His two sons, Julian Helms, is the assistant coach at Oglesby under Jeb Dixon. They won district and by district. And then the youngest son, Jalen Helms, is a student teacher and coach at Water Valley. And they won district and by district. So um, I know that's a very proud six-man family. Shout out to the Helmses. And we have their picture up on the Backroad Podcast web page, all of them holding a, a district trophy. Now they all have by district trophies. That, that's awesome. Well, let's, let's take a look at round two. We'll get to what we're going to call this in a little bit, but let, let's not distract from anything right now. We're just going to call this round two for now. Playoff weeks, week two. <laughs> there you go. So we'll start in uh, Division One, Region One, uh, Valley and Spur Du Battle, as well as Borden County Happy. Boy, I think this is two really good, even matchups here in, in these ball games right here. I think so too. Uh, Spur is playing extremely well. They've just gotten better and better all year. I know Valley has battled some injuries, but like you said, Jackson Edwards, he seems to be on top of his stuff. And, you know, Larry Martinez, one of our photographers was at that game against Nazareth. And he said the same thing. He couldn't pick a, a helmet sticker winner because he said those two were just, both of them were just beasts and he couldn't pick between them. So he said, you know what? It's the playoffs. I'm giving two. So he did. <laughs> there you go. Uh, region two, Van Horn says, okay, Garden City. Now you're going to give me Sterling City. <laughs> Coach Shire, like, I, don't, I don't want the cities anymore. <laughs> and then and on the other side of that bracket, oh, my. You Rink know. In Westbrook. That, that's the game. Ooh. That is the game. That's the game. That is just, it, it's crazy that those two are meeting up in the second round of the playoffs. You're talking about the number three and number six team in the state. That should be just a whale of a matchup. I think so, too. And Rankin, they're, they're going full steam. You know, they're 100% now. Everybody's well. Everybody's healthy. They are, they're, I'm afraid to say, they're like a freight train coming down the track. And let's hope that Westbrook isn't a casualty. But that's going to be an outstanding game. Um, if I could pick anywhere to go Friday, it would be the Garden City to see that game Friday at seven o'clock. Thank goodness Garden City has really good facilities with great big stands because they might need it. Yeah, no, that, that should be an outstanding matchup there. Region three, a uh, couple of good games as well. St. Joe and Coolidge and, uh, you know, Coolidge surprised everybody. And, and now if you're St. Joe, you're going, hmm. What am I about to face? And then on the other side, Newcastle, the Bobcats taking on Coach Crawford's Panthers there from Abbott. Uh, should be two good games there in Region 3. And that, that's the fun thing about six-man is, you know, you get some really good by-district matchups, which you don't always get in the 11-man ranks. But the second-round matchups are just, they're fantastic. They really, really are. They are. And if you have a playoff game going on somewhere near you, please go out and watch it. You'll be glad you did. Like you we will. said, it's the atmosphere, it's, you know, the excitement, it's, it's the music, it's the bands, cheerleaders, it's everything. It's just the whole thing just makes you feel like smiling, for yeah. me anyway. Definitely. Uh, then we'll just move to region four. We'll start at the bottom half of the bracket, Water Valley and Lamita play. And then the top half, we talked about ranking in Westbrook. Well, they don't get any better than this one either. May and Jonesboro. What we needed to do is just have those two squads take and uh, those two sets of uh, playoff teams take and have a doubleheader somewhere. Let's go play at a really nice facility and just have a doubleheader. A man could get punch drunk with the uh, amount of good football he would see in those two ball games. Not a man, but a woman too. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, I mean, come on, guys. Let's go play these two games. You know, Rankin versus Westbrook and May versus Jonesboro. Let's all go get in Abilene Shotwell Stadium and let's go at it because you know what? I wouldn't take one picture. I'd be sitting up in the stands watching every second of those two games. Oh, those should be two outstanding ball games. Down in Division Two. Now, here's the funny part about Division Two. When you look at Region One, this is a rematch of last year's second round of the playoffs. Follett and Anton. Follett defeated Anton 44-43. to 
and Groom and Klondike and Groom won that game last year as well. Yes, I was at that game and I really thought Klondike uh, would beat Groom last year, but Groom jumped up and and they put their the hammer down and they never let up. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, the Keelers against the Arismendezes. And I mean, that's, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but then you have, you know, Thixton and you, I, I mean, Klondike's loaded this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're those, loaded. Those, those should be two really good ball games. Region two, Balmeray and Motley County. Yeah. Wow. Can we do a triple header? I know, right? We'd stick them right in the middle. Yeah, shoot yeah. Let's do that. You know, Balmeray, uh, they have a defense that not many people see coming. And I'm sure, as Perryman would tell you, Bigham has prepared for that. But, you know, I've watched Balmeray play the first game of the season. First rattle out of the box. What do they do? I, I don't know how they get off the line that fast. I have no idea. But by the time the quarterback has the ball hiked to him, they're there. There's no time to do anything. So, you know, if they play that type of defense and they cover well and they tackle well, they may surprise the Matadors like they did last year. Who knows? But Matador, you know, they may be out for revenge because Balmeray toppled them last year and went on to win the state championship. Well, it'll be definitely a matchup of wits there between uh, Coach Vance Jones and Coach Mike Bigham. And then on the bottom half of that bracket, Lorraine, the Bulldogs, taking on the Jayton Jaybirds. We'll move to Region 3. Throckmorton gets Strawn, <laughs> and Goldberg gets Gordon. And on the surface, you just got to wonder, are we looking down the road for another Strawn-Gordon rematch? Um, I'm here to say yes. Greg Tepper asked me to rank or you know give him my winners for each of the regions for division and one and two and every time that makes me nervous i try to be unbiased but you know when you've seen as many teams play as i have i kind of know what's going on you know i got the, my ear to the ground so to speak and so you know i picked happy over spring lake earth and i thought oh i'm <laughs> gonna get some blowback over that and i really didn't um, but I did come out looking like a genius because Tepper, his computer, and Lehman all chose Spring Lake Earth to re win Region 1. But we're not out of the woods yet. No. Far because, from it. Because <laughs> Region 1, Division 1, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty solid pack of wolves coming uh, here in the next few weeks. Strawn and Gordon. Have you ever been to a Strawn and Gordon game? I have not. You need so where to. do we play? Where do we play a playoff matchup if if we do get Strawn and Gordon? Where do they play? Mineral Wales, I think they played one time. Did they? Maybe. Why does that? Yeah, that keeps coming up in my head. Maybe Heiko. You need to go. Drop everything you got going on and go to a Strawn versus Gordon game. I can guarantee you there is nothing else like it. Wow. Nothing. And you it, never it, know who's going to win. No, no. And it's it sure has looked like we might be seeing that uh, uh, down the road next week. But I promise you the Greyhounds and the Bears will have something to say about that before we get there. And finally, in Region 4, Oakwood and Cherokee. And then Oglesby and Richland Springs. This Oakwood-Cherokee game should be good. It should be. And, you know, I left one out of those, you know, Jayton, Molly County, Westbrook Spring, uh, Sterling City. Richland Springs and Cherokee went at it in District 16. And so, again, you've got another one-two punch in Region 4. So let's see how Oakwood and Oglesby handle it. Oglesby did really well last year, um, and they've been getting better and better as the season has progressed. So we'll see how that works out for them. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because you could have, in Division 2, the number one and number two team facing off in the regional finals in division in region two, region three, and region four. That's that is that's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy there. Mm -hmm. Get out and watch a game because some of these games are going to be wild and crazy. I like to call them that because that's exactly how it feels when you're there. Yeah, no, you, you are right there. Um, 
you know, a couple of uh, things that we want to wrap up on here. Uh, Trey Ritchie, we talked about him with Borden County. He's getting inducted into the Big Country Athletic Hall of Fame. No surprise there. You heard the uh, praise from Coach uh, Stacy Perriman and Happy uh, talking about Trey Ritchie. So uh, no surprise. I know that's somebody well, that you kind of know near and dear. I do. I grew up with old Trey Ritchie. He's a really great guy, and he always has been. It's not like he changed back and forth, you know. I mean, he's <laughs> always been very humble and just a really good person. Speaking of that, you know, that's one of the things that Lehman tweeted about this last week was um, saying that there weren't enough accolades or kind words that can be given or said about Coach Trey Ritchie. So shout out, Trey. It's been my pleasure to know you this long, and I think you deserve every good thing that's coming. There you go. Uh, and you also got Lehman to admit he was wrong because (laughs) he picked Spring Lake Earth and not happy. Yeah, he said uh, he was wrong for not listening when I tried to tell him, or he said I tried to warn him, and (laughs) he wouldn't listen, so he he said that he did admit that he's wrong for that. He also tweeted about Oglesby Calvert, how uh, that's how I learned it, of course, from the six-man historian, Lehman Saunders himself. Oh, and 14, and then Oglesby comes out of nowhere and takes it to Calvert. And, and Benjamin almost did the same, uh, making that list uh, of Lehman's and making him tweet as well. Yes. One of the things that we've been um, skirting around the issue. <laughs> oh, no, uh, we're not skirting. I was just I was just leaving it for the uh, attempt to, uh, I don't know, a layup, a slam dunk, whatever we're going to do when we start talking about this. Well, you know, <laughs> oh, Lehman, he has chosen this hill to die on and we're going to help him. The funny thing about 1A is we have one less playoff game than the other A's. Isn't that correct? That would be correct. And so the UIL on their bracket labels the six-man games just as they would the higher classification A's, you know, that have an extra game in playoffs because they have more people who make more teams who make the playoffs. We all know the first playoff game is by district, right? We got past that. Well, guess what? What do you call the second round? The UIL labels it as quarterfinals, but it's not because that would mean that we have more teams. Lehman says it's not regional quarterfinals because that would mean that there are four games and eight teams left in the region, which there's not, which that's really by district in 1A. So he says that the regional, the second round is the regional semifinals. And he, uh, what's what's the term I'm looking for? Tries to persuade the UIL every year to change the 1A bracket to be correct. To reflect what should be correct. Thank you. Yes. Um, So as far as Lehman is concerned, the first round is by district or you call it the regional quarterfinal. Second round is area or regional semifinal. Third round is the regional final or state quarterfinal. So we've got two terms for every single one of these playoff weeks. The fourth is the state semifinal. And then the fifth, of course, our favorite, the state championship. It it looks really weird when you look at the UIL brackets, because when you get to the final four, which should be the state semifinals, they have it labeled regional finals. Well, that makes no sense because we have four regions. It can't be the regional finals. Well, it's the final of the region. <laughs> I mean, Just, I could see where, you know, but every year, every year, this week coming up is the one that everyone's like, oh, no, it's area. No, it's semifinal. No, it's quarterfinal. I mean, what is it? Yeah. I, I, I just it. say, you know what? I'm going to just write area because it's four letters. It's the, it's short. <laughs> it fits into Twitter really well. So I like calling it the regional semifinals. Um, but then it gets all confusing because people are like, well, but the bracket says it's regional quarterfinals, right? See, so it, it, it's, it's a crazy thing and it's something that we fight all the time. And I do wish the UIL would somehow or another make a stand or explain why they do 
have it labeled the way they do, I think it's they've just never really looked at it. No, uh, they or, haven't. Of course, I don't know why, because Lehman calls them out on it every single year. And he's like I said, this is his hill. He's going to die on it. So every year he's going to tweet to the QIL that their bracket is mislabeled, which it is. So, it is. you know, yes. So that's Lehman six band one one or as we like to call it to things that make Lehman tweet he or die on a hill, whatever he needs to do. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Oh, my uh, goodness. So, Bobby, let's move from football, a game that's played outdoors where it can be extremely cold this time of year, mm-hmm. to indoors in the volleyball state tournament that's coming up. And uh, you did a lot of research on this. I, I totally went down the rabbit hole um, in the UIL volleyball, the annals of volleyball lore, I guess <laughs> is what you could call it. And um, yeah, so our four state teams are out of region one, very best Lady Falcons with a, re- uh, with a record of 34 and five, Blum Lady Cats out of region two with a record of 35 and 12, region three. Sulphur Bluff Lady Bears with a record of 26 and 19. They're right there as well. And Region 4 is the Fayetteville Lady Lions with a record, get this, 44 and 2. Wow. They definitely have the best record. Uh, The only returner is Blum. They, this will be their fourth appearance at the state volleyball tournament. So I'm wondering, will this be the year of the Lady Cats? Very best, Sulphur Bluff and Fayetteville. This is their first time at the state tournament. Isn't That's that impressive. interesting? It, it is interesting. And and you talked about state semifinals are coming up on Wednesday, 11 and 1. And then the state championship will be played Thursday at 3 o'clock. And you had some cool stats. And uh, I didn't know this. So Round Top, and we both say it wrong, so we're going to get it right here. Round Top Carmine has had 21 appearances at the state volleyball tournament from 1988, the year we graduated, to 2019, including a run of 12 years from 94 to 05, and they currently have six state titles. So they are kind of sort of the the Nazareth Swiftettes of volleyball in Class A. They really are. You're right. The only reason I knew how to say that is because in season one of the podcast, Backroads podcast, we actually had the round top Carmine volleyball coach as a guest coach. There you go. And she came on and she said, Nope, it's Carmine. And everyone says Carmine. So <laughs> for all you one, a schools out there, if you run up against round top Carmine, remember it's not, it doesn't sound like it's spelled. Exactly. Yeah, the cubettes is what they're called. So, you know, well, you got to have that ets at the end. Yes, I know. I think, that, I think that that's definitely one of the things that gets you to state, right? It does. It does. Second in state appearances is a tie between Water Valley and Leverage Chapel, both of those with eight, and Abbott with seven appearances. And you know what I find interesting about Class A volleyball? The Region 1 semifinals was a battle of the W's, Will Dorado and Water Valley. Why do I find that interesting? Because Will Dorado is in uh, Region 1 in football. Water Valley is in Region 4, yet they're in Region 1 in volleyball. Together, Explain that one to me. <laughs> like we talked about earlier, not all 1A teams play volleyball. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like they cluster them as closely as they can. But, I mean, Will Dorado and Water Valley aren't even – I mean – how many hours away is that? Can you imagine that drive? Oh my goodness. It is, it is a long, long drive for both of them to be in region one. I just, I thought that was really interesting when I saw that matchup and thought, wait, that could you imagine trying to do that even just in football? Hey, yeah, you're going to be up here in region one. Well, <laughs> and look at the, the other region one, Miami and very best. I mean, they're hours away. I I'm a good three and a half hours from very best. And I'm in Lubbock. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, it, crazy stuff there. So good luck to all the teams, very best Blum, Sulphur Bluff and Fayetteville uh, looking for a state title Wednesday, 11 and one state semifinals with the state championship Thursday at three o'clock. 
Yep. Keep your eye on the website and we'll be putting it on Facebook as well. As soon as we get scores, I, you know, I kind of, I watch those things on the NFHS, try to get that information out to you as soon as I possibly can. Cause I know everybody's usually sitting on pins and needles when it comes to state anything that they are. Oh, we'll have a photographer. I hope that's one thing I wanted to talk about too, before we go, because this is the season for it. What we are required to do by the UIL being um, seen as a media company. When we broadcast every single week, the whole season long, and especially in the playoffs, we have to gain approval and permission from each school and also the host school if they're, we're not playing it, you know, at one of the school's locations. You have to get all of those permissions <laughs> before you can broadcast the game. Same thing goes with covering UIL state events. There's a certain window of time that you submit a formal request that the UIL puts out their form. They make it available. So I submitted a, a UIL state form for our photographer, David Chi, down in East Texas. But he loves covering the volleyball tournament. And so hopefully the UIL will respond uh, with the positive. And David will be there to photograph those awesome four teams. So be looking for that on that, our be, Facebook page. That that would be great. And you're right, it, especially when it comes to uh, the state, when it comes to basketball, uh, you talk about volleyball, you just can't walk in there. No. You can't just get a media pass. Mm -hmm. And I think what a lot of people don't realize too, and I only bring this because it, it's public knowledge. You can go out there and look it up. But to broadcast a state semifinal basketball game, is 150 bucks and oh, it's a yeah. it's 175 dollars to do the state final so that's why you don't just see anybody showing up down there to broadcast it's expensive yeah because you have to not only number one you are limited on the amount of people that you can get in uh number two you have to get permission if make sure you get through that little request window and then number three you have to pay them so you can broadcast so I don't know if the general public knew that, especially about the permissions. Also, we are required to play UIL ads and we have to play so many of them within a certain time period. And that begins the first week of playoffs. Um, just to get in the habit of it on all of our Texas 1A fan broadcasts, we go ahead and play at least two or three UIL ads during the course of the game, just so it's it's a regular pattern thing that we have when we get to the playoffs it's just part of our normal routine you're right it, it's good for the folks to know because you just like I say you don't just show up and broadcast the game it just doesn't work that way um, no. you would think at the smaller schools it would be that easy it is just not i mean it they they hold you pretty much to the same standards as you do the uh, big schools you know you're not supposed to do facebook live also you're not supposed to do youtube live and uh that UIL is pretty strict about how they go about allowing you to cover teams um, with some very specific and restrictive guidelines that you have to follow. There, there really are. And we're all very well versed on that. I make sure all of the Texas 1A fan members are well versed on all of the media rules for photographer guidelines. I mean, there's certain places you could stand. There's certain places you can't stand. But you know what? We enjoy covering kids at state so much that, you know, we, we have guidelines no matter what you're going to do. And so you just, you know, go with the flow and, and get your stuff done. And I think it's, it's just very interesting to me because every week, you know, games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, usually by Saturday afternoon, my team has decided where they're going to go the next week, unless we don't have the games. Like today is the first day that we could really sit down and decide where we're going to go and what games we're going to cover because we didn't have all the games, locations, times, dates, all that good stuff. Now we have all but one. <laughs> we still don't have Water Valley and Lamita. Hopefully that'll come through today, later, or tomorrow. 
we began emailing the superintendent, the principal, and the AD of each school and the host school just to make sure that we can get permission. And people at schools, admin at schools, they're very busy. So sometimes they can't respond right away. So sometimes, I mean, we have gone up to, especially in a playoff week, we've gone up until Wednesday afternoon. And I I have done this personally myself on the way to the region four girls basketball tournament. We were trying to get a hold of a superintendent from Dimebox, I believe. She was gone. So I talked her secretary into giving me (laughs) her cell (laughs) number because she was driving to the tournament and we had to get her permission. Right. So I called her up on her cell phone. She was the nicest lady. And she was just so proud that we were going to be there. She had just had no time. They had all kinds of school programs going on and she just had, didn't have time to respond or even look at that email. So, you know what, it's okay. If you can get it, you know, over a cell phone when she's driving to the regional tournament, then that's what you do. But, you know, we, we go out of our way to make sure that we have approval for these things because we want to do it correctly. We want to go by the UIL guidelines and that way, hopefully we'll get into state every time we ask. (laughs) There you go. Well, Bobby, that's going to wrap it up for us on week one playoff edition, the by district round of the Backroads podcast. Who knows what we'll call next week? Maybe we'll call it something funky just to see if we Ooh. can get Lehman to tweet. But I uh, have an idea. Let's do it. Let's get people to write in. We've had a little tiny success at that. Let's see if you folks listening out there want to write in and tell us what you will call this next week of playoff games. Is it going to be quarterfinal? Is it going to be area? Is it going to, what is it? Semifinal? What's it going to be? Let us know. Texas1afan at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know. It should be, that should be interesting. I'd I'd love to know what what our listeners' thoughts are. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. We'll be back next week. We'll run down week two, round two (laughs) of the uh, Texas high school six-man playoffs. Uh, so many great games, and I'm guaranteed we're going to have some great stats and uh, some great commentary next week on those games. But until then, I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Remember, go forward and do good. <laughs>